0: grace and peace to you, and welcome to Reaching for Real Life with Sean O'Zaro, the senior pastor of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas. This is a church that exists to help people just like you find the real life you were created for and find it to the full. That's what Jesus promised in John 10, 10. And today we begin a brand new series called In This We Trust, as Pastor Sean's going to give you practical advice and biblical wisdom when it comes to your finances, with the bottom line being, are you trusting God with everything? And the challenge is, how would your life be different if God were in first place ahead of money, possessions, and other resources? Reallife.org has this full message, sermon notes, and series available for free. But if you feel led right now to bless this listener-supported radio ministry, then please do. There's a place to give at reallife.org. The name of the message is called, In This We Trust. Pastor Sean is teaching from 2 Kings chapter 6. It's time for Reaching for Real Life Radio.
1: Yes, we are going to have a conversation about finances about resources about money and the reality is before we can actually do that we kind of have to deal with the fear because when it comes to this subject lots of us are really driven by fear and it's all kind of baggage that we bring into it all kinds of experiences a lot of those negative and so we've got to start out by addressing fear and there's a very powerful passage that does that and I want to take us there If you have your Bibles, turn to 2 Kings chapter 6. In 2 Kings 6, the king of Syria, probably Ben-Hadad II, is at war with Israel and it's a series of skirmishes and ambushes. He's trying to ambush the king of Israel, but every single time it seems that he fails because the prophet of God, Elisha, kept revealing the location of the ambush and he would thwart their plans. Well, Ben-Hadad thinks he has traitors in his camp, and he calls his advisors together and tells them so, and they basically say, no, here's what's happening. They know, they've heard of this man of God. And they say, he's telling your location every time. It's as though he hears you and tells the king of Israel before your plans are even executed. And then they tell him, this man of God can be found in the city of Dothan, which is about 12 miles north of Samaria, the capital of Israel. And so Ben-Hadad sends an entire army and surrounds this little village, this little city of Dothan. And that's where the scripture picks up that we're going to read at verse 15. Look at what it says. When the servant of the man of God rose early in the morning, went out. Behold, an army with horses and chariots was all around the city. Can you imagine that? I don't know that we can even relate to that feeling. And the servant said, Alas, my master, what shall we do? And he said, Elisha, he said, do not be afraid, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Time out. Okay, have you ever been really concerned about something, seeing a very real problem right in front of your face? It's inevitable, it's real, it's tangible, it's right there. And had someone go, oh, don't worry, don't be afraid, it's going to be fine. Being that guy can be a very unpopular position. Being the guy who stops and says, hey, don't worry about it. This, this is not something to be afraid of. This is not a big deal. Because people go, why? Why is it that this isn't a big deal? Well, Elisha tells him. Do not be afraid for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And again, the servant <laughs> kind of looks at Elisha. And he's kind of like, okay, you see the army right there. Let me help you with this, Elisha. It's you and me, one, two. okay. It's a lot more. One, two. In case I missed anybody, let me try it one more time. One, two. How in the world can you say those who are with us are more than those who are with them? Then Elisha simply prayed, and he said, "O oh Lord, please open his eyes that he may see. Make note of that prayer, that simple prayer. "O oh Lord, please open his eyes that he may see. So the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. And when the Syrians came down against him, Elisha prayed to the Lord and said, please strike this people with blindness. So he, the Lord, struck them in blindness in accordance with the prayer of Elisha. And Elisha said to them, this is not the way, this is not the city. Follow me, I'll bring you to the man whom you seek. They can't see anything. All of a sudden, they're completely blind. He says, you're at the wrong place. Let me take you to the man you want to talk to. And he led them to Samaria, the capital of the northern kingdom. And he brought them right into the king of Israel's presence. Well, the king of Israel, Elisha leads this entire army into the city. He says, what do you want me to do with them? They're blind. Do you want me to kill them? He says, no, they're no risk. And so he... It says, feed them, and they feed them and send them home. It's one of those things that we look and see there's a different reality at work here, and that verse 17 prayer is so powerful, and I want to suggest you, it is my prayer for us during this entire series. Lord, please open our eyes that we may see. Please open our eyes that we may see. We live in a world with spiritual realities all around us. We understand that. We recognize that we serve a God who is spirit, but he's real. We're not talking about, we're not talking about things that are, are metaphorical. We're not talking about things that are figurative. We're talking about things that are real. And so we live in this understanding of the unseen, but when it comes to sometimes the practical things of life, we get locked up on what we see. Lord, open our eyes in this area of finances that we may see. Let us see with different lenses. See, some of you feel you're constantly being ambushed and that you're surrounded and under attack, but it's not like an actual army. It's finances. It's financial pressure. Things like debt, burdens, stuff that is never-ending and it's tiring, it's wearing. You feel like you're under assault. In fact, in light of the recent government shutdown, a study came out. A study that U.S. News and World Report carried, CNBC carried it, and the study was actually commissioned by Career Builder. And they had a, a huge research group do this study, and what they found, and it got thrown around a lot because here are a bunch of people, government employees, having to face the possibility, and many of them the reality, of, for a time, going without a paycheck. And the study revealed that close to 80%, actually 78% of all employees and workers and people in the United States live paycheck to paycheck to make ends meet. Close to 80%, 78% live paycheck to paycheck. So obviously with these workers missing a paycheck, maybe two, and the, the very real possibility is I've got enough to make it through this pay period. I got paid, I can make it the next two weeks. But after that, I don't know what I'm going to do. The study showed, interestingly enough, that 1 out of 10 workers making $100,000 or more also live paycheck to paycheck. They don't have any savings or any reserves. You know, we call that being broke at a higher level, don't we? And it's a situation of a whole lot of people. More than 1 in 4 workers do not set aside any savings each month. Nearly 3 in 4 workers say they are in debt today. More than half think they will always be. More than half people think they will always be in debt. I don't ever see a way of getting out of this. I want to suggest to you God has something different for us. I want to present kind of four reasons why I think this problem, why financial issues can negatively affect and really dominate every area of our life. One is because it's everywhere. It's everywhere you look. There's very little that we do that doesn't in some way or another involve money from our birth, which causes our parents to go into debt, all the way to our death, where now our kids have to deal with all this financial stuff, and have to wrestle with finances, and or maybe worse, wrestle with each other over finances, it involves money. We start our lives together. Our marriage, and don't even get me started on the wedding. The unrealistic way that we set kids up with the weddings that we do. Okay? But then think about it. After the wedding, and all the money that was spent, and all the stuff that went into that, we start living our lives, we start raising our kids. And when you start raising kids, you got to deal with food, clothes, doctor's appointments, school supplies, school tuition, summer camp, SeaWorld passes, and those are important, mind you. College, weddings, don't get me started again on what we do about weddings. See, money determines when and how we, or determines where and how we live, where and what we eat, What we drive, what we don't drive, where we work or where we don't work, it's everywhere. Even you come here to church, you got to think about money for a donut, coffee. I mean, it's no wonder the Bible talks about money more than it talks about prayer. let me tell you something, it talks about prayer a lot. But there are so many scriptures that talk about this issue of finances because so many people wrestle with it. There's a second reason I think this area, if we're not careful, can negatively dominate our lives. And it's that finances, money is how we meet our needs. And that becomes deeply personal. That's why it's prone to idolatry. How we need, meet our needs often, because where we meet our needs is often where we will worship. And it's very, it's, it's not just numbers, it's not just money, it's deeply personal. It's tied to all sorts of feelings inside of us. It's how we meet our needs. I discovered this many years ago, early on. Uh, when we started this ministry, we went a number of years without getting paid, and we had to make it ends meet, and we accumulated some debt, more debt than we should have, and realized, okay, we've got to get some help here. So we went through uh, one of Dave Ramsey's seminars. We read his book, Total Money Makeover. You know, let Dave yell at us for a couple days. That's, you know, how it works. But we, we thought, oh, this is the right kind of stuff. And if you've ever done that. So we went through that, and you know, right up front, it's okay, you got to stop the credit, you got to stop the debt, and you got to cut up the credit cards, okay? And so, so I remember the night. I mean, I remember it vividly when I'm going to cut up the credit cards, and it's no big deal. I'm going to cut up the credit cards, and so I get the first one out, and I'm going to cut the credit card up. There it is, and I'm just going to cut, and all of a sudden, mm-hmm. I, I, I truly am like, what the heck is going on? Why is this so hard? I realized these were more than just plastic modes of payment. They had become, for me, a sense of security. If something went wrong car breaks down okay this was what I was going to depend on this was my mode of security if if medical expense comes up this is my mode of security if you know something goes on with one of the kids they were real little well this is this is how I take care of it this had gone from a simple plastic mode of payment to a source of security and that's when I realized holy cow this is a problem you know and all the while while I'm cutting them up, I cut them up And it's like, okay, what am I going to do now? What am I going to do? It's like the Lord is there who had kind of pushed me to do this whole thing. The Lord's there going, I don't know. What will you trust? If you don't have those, what could you possibly depend on? Where could you go with needs? Hmm. God talks to me quite sarcastically. (laughs) Maybe he's more kind with you. (laughs) But I realize this is not, this is deep. This is personal. This is close to home.
0: And this is when we take a quick minute to remind you You're listening to Reaching for Real Life With Pastor Sean Azaro A listener supported ministry of River City Community Church In this first message in the series called In This We Trust Which is available right now on the sermon page At reallife.org And while you're there, if you've been blessed by this teaching Your gift of any amount helps this radio ministry Continue to help others Just find the give tab at reallife.org And Pastor Sean Azaro Now an author invites you to check out His brand new book This is Reaching for Real Life Radio.
1: A third reason financial issues can negatively dominate our lives is that most of us weren't taught well. Just simple truth. Most of us were not taught well. We weren't taught financial wisdom. We weren't taught biblical financial principles, how to manage resources without letting them take over. We, we just weren't taught that way. Most of us were taught with fear or avoidance or whatever else. If you are here and you were taught wise biblical financial principles. I want to suggest you thank the Lord and thank your parents for that gift because you are in a very small and blessed group. That's just, that's just true. Most of us were just not taught good financial habits. And a fourth reason that money can negatively dominate our lives is that not only were we not taught good habits, but then we were taught never to talk about it. We're taught never to talk about it. It's private you don't talk about this you don't dump that your financial mess on the table at, at thanksgiving hey guys instead of dessert today we're going to unpack this you know, people looking away it's horrible yeah we, do, we don't do that we don't talk about it we don't tell anybody and, and what that means is because it's 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 personal one we continue on in our ignorance and our mistakes quietly suffering building up shame And we never get the benefit of wisdom. We never get the benefit of someone else sharing, oh, no, no, there's a different way to do that. Let me show you. Let me show you what the Word of God says. Let me show you. And just openly talking about this issue. And so we'll go years without getting any input or help. And that's why a whole lot of people live with shame, embarrassment. They live defeated when it comes to this issue. And worse, maybe they live in self-deception. Oh, it's not that big a deal. I felt, when I was cutting that credit card up, I felt like an addict, okay? I've never really been addicted to anything, but I, it went, <laughs> I had the shakes over this deal. And I realized, okay, something's got to change. If you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew 6. I, we always have to end up here, when, or at least start here, maybe, this is a better way to say it, when we, if we're going to talk about this issue, because Jesus lays out something so powerful and so challenging And for many of us, mind-bending. It's a paradigm-shifting idea. You have to understand, Matthew 6 is a part of what we call the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount has been called the Magna Carta of the kingdom of God. Jesus got his followers together, his disciples, and he's going to teach them. This is near the beginning of his ministry. He begins teaching them the ways of the kingdom, a new way. And a huge, massive chunk of the Sermon on the Mount is the passage we're about to look at, and it's all about how we deal with resources. Look what Jesus says. We'll start at verse 19 in Matthew 6. Do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth. Well, it seems like with our savings habits, we're not in danger of this, okay? Do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, where thieves do not break in and steal. And steal. Right away, he begins to teach the difference between what's temporal and what's eternal. What's temporal and what's eternal. And the idea of thinking in regards to our resources, our finances, our stuff, in regards to eternity, and investing in things that are eternal versus things that are temporal. He says... And then he wraps with this idea, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Very powerful. Where your stuff is, your money, your treasure is, that's where your heart's going to be. So this is a matter of the heart. It's not just dollars and cents. It's not just savings or not. It's not just budgets. It's a matter of the heart. He goes on and says, the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. Remember what the prophet prayed for his young servant. Open his eyes that he may see. What do you see? What's your vision? What's your vision of the world? What's your vision of finances? What's your vision of life? If the eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? It's a matter of the heart. It's a matter of vision. And then he says this, no one can serve two masters. He'll either hate, For he will either hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. It's fascinating that he puts money on that kind of as a rival to God for what we serve. It's a matter of the heart, what we love. It's a matter of the vision, the eyes, what we see, what we set our eyes on. It's a matter of what we serve. And we all serve something. He says, you can't serve two masters. You can't serve God and money. And then he presents this idea. And this is one of the big ideas. He says, therefore... I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink. Do not fear. Remember what Elijah told the servant? Don't be, don't be afraid. Don't be worried. Don't be anxious for your life, what you'll eat or what you'll drink. And you're like, well, God, but yeah, I've got this kind of nasty habit of three squares a day. And I'm kind of like, you know, I think it's kind of important. Listen to what he says. He says, Nor about your body, what you'll put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow, nor reap, nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to the span, to his span of life? So he's saying birds do, they need to eat, they need to be taken care of. He says, but they don't stow away in bars. They don't focus on this. They don't obsess about it. Why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They, they don't toil or spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? O oh, you of little faith. God takes care of the birds. Won't he take care of you? God takes care of the flowers and and." adorns them beautifully. Won't he take care of you? Oh, you of little faith. Doesn't it come down to that? Therefore, in other words, as a result of all this, do not be anxious, saying, what do we eat? What do we drink? Or what should we wear? For the Gentiles, that was synonymous with the unbelievers, the people who don't believe in our God. The unbelievers seek after all these things. And look at this. This is the key. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, don't be anxious about tomorrow. Tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for that day is its own trouble. Let me pray for us. Lord, I pray that you would do a deep work in our heart. I pray that you would speak to us. I pray that you would help us to hear. Just like the song we sang says, Lord, that you'll give us a clean heart, a new heart for you. In Jesus' name, amen. See, this is why Dave Ramsey says money issues are not money issues. They are people issues. And Actually, what he says is they are you issues. They're you issues. I mean, look what Jesus said. He says, talked about the heart issue, a vision issue, an anxiety issue, a trust issue. And so the question that we're going to look at starting off today and throughout the series, who or what do you trust? The title of the series is, in this we trust. What is it? that we trust in. Who do you trust? See, if you're taking notes, write this down, main point. Financial freedom begins by deciding who you trust. Financial freedom begins by deciding who you trust. This is one of those issues that in the the word of God and scriptures in our faith is a core issue. They're all important. Everything in the Bible is really, really important, but we understand there are like things that theologians will debate over, and they'll have differing views on, and one camp will think this, one camp will think that, and you know, they can disagree and but they all believe in God and they all love Jesus and salvation in him and they're going to heaven right this is not one of those issues this is core this is central god created everything god loves you he cares for you and you can trust him he is Faithful and trustworthy. Our salvation bends with the, begins with the understanding. I can trust Him to forgive my sin. I can trust Him to fill me with His Spirit. I can trust Him to give me a new life. It begins with this idea He is trustworthy. And what's interesting, you know, financial freedom begins by deciding who you trust. I want to suggest to you, we could just get rid of that word if we wanted to. All freedom begins by deciding who you trust. Freedom begins by deciding who you trust. Do I trust him? It's core, it's foundational to this faith walk of ours. There's a fascinating scripture in Mark chapter 6. Jesus is going to send his disciples out, and he's sending them two by two. You remember? He's sending them before him, but they're going out. They're going to proclaim the kingdom of God. They're going to heal the sick. They're going to cast out evil spirits, just like they'd watched Jesus do. But now they're going on their own. And so it's kind of a big deal. But what's fascinating is what else he tells them. This is verse 8 through 11, Mark chapter 6. He charged them to take nothing for their journey except a staff. No bread, no bag, no money in their belts, but to wear sandals and not put on two tunics. No extra cloak, no money, no clothes, no bag, nothing. And you're like, well, they never carried that stuff anyway. I've seen pictures of the New Testament. They walked around in robes with their hands extended gently. You know, so they didn't need that. Why would Jesus say that? Okay, don't artist renditions. Okay, notwithstanding, um, these are regular people. They're going on a journey. They had bags. They had money. They got extra money. They went by whatever the first century ATM was and got a little cash. They had money. They had food for the trip. They had bags, and you can almost see Jesus going and just one by one. Here, give me that backpack. Just let me take it off. There you go. You won't need that.
0: That's Pastor Sean Azaro. You've been listening to Reaching for Real Life Radio. And if you'd like to hear this full message in the series, In This We Trust, it's available right now on demand at reallife.org. And while you're there, we'd appreciate your feedback. You can leave us a note on our Contact Us page. Or even better, your financial gift helps this radio ministry continue. Find that Give tab at reallife.org.